Welcome, Life Church. So good to see you today. You look fantastic and you sound amazing. It's a great day because God is for you. Isn't that good news? He's never going to be against you. And if He's for you, nobody else can be against you. He's always at work on your behalf. So your life, it's only going to get better. Isn't that good news? Yes, how about this band? Aren't they fantastic? Well, I just want to start the message today with an interesting story. Um, A couple of weeks ago, while Raquel and I were on vacation, I was watching a cooking show, of course, with Raquel, because men never watch cooking shows by themselves, right? At least we wouldn't admit it. Um, And one of the many contestants on the show was of a minority race, and there's nothing strange so far, but what was strange is for some reason, and I don't ever remember even having these thoughts before, all of a sudden I caught myself wondering, are these judges going to treat her fairly? And I had never even thought these things before, and as the show went on, I wish I had time to explain, I mean, a hundred little things, and my head is telling me, my gosh, Brian, you're, you're watching, you're seeing racism right in front of your eyes, and then the, the back part of my brain is like, Brian, you're just making this up. This isn't even real. You're just, you're just imagining this. Well, I did what I always do, what God tells you to do, is, is to pray. Um, pray, you know, try to interpret, what, what am I, why am I thinking these thoughts? So I just did that. I said, God, I don't ever remember thinking this before. Why am I thinking this right now? You know, are you showing me something, or is there anything to do? It, this has happened about the same time of what, you know, we saw was happening in Charlottesville and you know, some of the mess in our country. And so I'm just praying, God, show me this. And trying to figure out, and by the way, you know, to, to get answers of what God's trying to say usually is a little bit tougher than some people make it sound like, oh, you know, just they're, they're getting answers every day and uh, their life is a mess too. So you be careful for people who are always hearing a voice, uh, but just interpreting what God is saying. So I'm trying to interpret this. Well, to make a long story short, over the next couple of weeks, I just trying to perceive this talked to three different people who were of minority race right here in Life Church, and to my amazement, racism is alive and well, even in Maine. Now, I wouldn't have said that I would have been, I was completely ignorant of that, but listening to their stories, I'm like, wow, gosh, I, I just, I, I was ignorant of the reality of it. And I guess I've arrived at the conclusion of, I think the reason God was showing me that was he's just Honestly, I still don't know to this day exactly what he wants me to do with it, but you know what? I think just being aware that there's a problem uh, helps you be on the part of the solution side of it as opposed to being part of the problem. I think the vast majority, well, I don't think, the vast majority of us in this room are a part of the majority race, and I think what's normal for us is just to assume, if we're not racist, we just assume that people of a minority race have the exact same experience that we do in this world, and you know what, gang, that's, that's not true. It just isn't true. I'll pretty much guarantee you that everybody that you know of a minority has been kicked a time or two, and just, again, just even being aware of that helps you start being a part, and again, I'm not telling you exactly what you're supposed to do with this information, but you know, I think it's obvious, and 
We all feel comfortable condemning things like the KKK and white supremacy. Hopefully nobody in this room feels any qualms of condemning that. And we know that's wrong, right? Right? Okay, I think we feel comfortable, you know, throwing things out. Well, that's wrong, but maybe that helps us feel like, okay, well, then there really is no problem. As long as I'm against that, there isn't an issue. And it actually is a lot wider than that. So let's be a part of the solution. I guess that's the bottom line. Let's be a part of the solution. Just, again, be aware there's a problem and just pray, God, because Jesus actually taught us to pray. And I think the very heart in the middle of, of the Lord's prayer was when he taught us to pray, God, your kingdom come, your will be done in heaven, on earth, rather, as it is in heaven. Now, we all know there's going to be no racism in heaven, and God wants a little bit more of that. That's the purpose of prayer. That's one of the main purposes of our Christian life and existence, is to bring a little bit more of the atmosphere of heaven down here on earth. How many think we could be a part of that, right? Can we agree on that? Let's bring a little bit more of that atmosphere. And by the way, uh, the 21 days of prayer begins September 11th, uh, and I hope that you will will come out. I hope that you'll come out and just show up, and we are going to, to pray, and really ultimately, again, and that is the heart of prayer. And, and today I'm going to begin talking about prayer, kind of getting down, going down that road, trying to encourage you not just to show up on that day, but to encourage us all to become a people of prayer, because Here's what's normal among people of faith and Christians. And if most of us were honest, we'd say, you know, prayer is something that I've heard since I'm a little tyke that I know I'm supposed to do, but I don't really do it much. And when I do, I don't really enjoy it much. So hopefully we're going to help you today learn a little bit about how to truly enjoy prayer. You know, Jesus was the one who taught us to pray. The disciples asked him, you know, Jesus, teach us to pray. And at the beginning of that little video, when Jesus taught us to pray, do you guys remember the very first thing out of Jesus' mouth when he taught us to pray? So they just asked him, Lord Jesus, how many think Jesus probably knows more about prayer than any of us? You think he probably does? So Jesus, teach us to pray. The very first thing out of his mouth was, Father, which art in heaven, hallowed. Everybody say hallowed. Hallowed be your name was the first thing out of Jesus' mouth. Here's what I've learned. Until you get that, until you get the very first part, the rest of prayer will always be a burden to you. It will always be a chore. Hallowed is a verb. It's a, it's a response to something you're amazed at. This is what hallowed is. To my son, Luke, who was on the drums today, if Tom Brady walked in those back doors, you know what he would do? He'd go, <gasps> let's all do that. Take, let's take that breath together. Everybody go, <gasps> that reaction that you just did, that, that deep breath, well, if, you, if, if that was actually in response to something you were shocked at, see, that is hallowed. Hallowed is actually an experience. It's, it's not something that you can just kind of make up in your brain. It is a response to something, something awesome. And Jesus taught that prayer begins right there. And until you get that, and, and the reason prayer is a chore for most people is we've never realized that prayer is supposed to start with a certain sense of, amazement at God. We, we jump into prayer. We jump into the work of it. And there can be some work in it, but it starts just sitting. It starts just waiting on God. It starts just being amazed at God. So what I'm going to do today is just take you through one. There's many chapters in the Bible that 
to kind of help you develop your, your hallower. But we're going to go through one of the, Isaiah chapter 40 is an amazing chapter that just kind of describes God and, and helps us see him as he is. And this is how you start getting better at <gasps> becoming aware of God and being amazed at him and being able to cross that line where prayer is all of a sudden exciting because you're in God's presence. So Isaiah chapter 40 Start, I wish I had time to go through the whole chapter. We're going to start here, just kind of jump in the middle of it. This, this amazing chapter goes through, and it's where God kind of describes himself a little bit. And really a lot of it has to do with creation. God just describing his, from his angle of him designing creation. So we're jumping here, verse 12, talking about God, who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand. This is describing God. Picture before creation. You do understand that there was a time, and how far back that was, we don't know, but sometime, a long time ago, that nothing existed but God alone. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, there was nothing. No, everything we've ever heard of or seen came out of God. There was a time it was just Him, and He's designing before He ever created it. You understand all of the physics and math and all that holds this universe together? He designed all that. Well, this is describing... And maybe it's easier for you to picture Jesus, because that's we can kind of get a mental image of that. When you describe the Father, it's kind of hard for us to grasp. But just picture Jesus taking a little water. You know that when you get water in your hand, you can hold a little bit in the palm of your hand, right? That's the hollow of your hand. So this is describing Jesus taking a little water, weighing it, and contemplating the amount of water needed for the earth. You do understand that the water here has been recycled from the beginning. It's all the same water. And he measured it. He measured it. He weighed it in the hollow of his hand, took that little bit, measured it, and like, ah, oh, okay. That's exactly how much it's going to need. It goes on in describing in creation. Or with the breath of his hand. Just stick it with his hand here. He measured the waters in the hollow of his hand. Here's something else he did with his hand. With the breath of his hand, he marked off the heavens. The breath is the, the distance from your thumb when you stretch it out. We don't use the breath of our hand to measure much. But in those days... Take, take your hand and stretch it out there. There you go, at least on your lap there. Look at, your, look at the breath of your hand. This is describing God before the universe was created, stretching that out and measuring the universe. I, we don't know exactly, but somehow in my mind, he's, he's looking out at it. It's like, okay, there's 600 billion light years, 600 billion more. I, I don't know his mathematics. I'm just kind of, but he's measuring it. You do understand that all the physics of this universe, it didn't just happen. He had to calculate. There was, there was some time where he was actually calculating it, and he measured it. So he's just, throughout this chapter, this chapter does two things. It goes back and forth from describing and trying to stretch your brain to understand just how awesome God is and how amazing he is and how powerful he is. And then he also just tries to stretch your brain of try to get you to understand him, try to comprehend him. Let's just read this quote here. The basic laws of the universe are simple, at least to Albert Einstein, they're simple. Uh, they're simple, but because our senses are limited, we can't grasp them. There is a pattern in creation. Why? Because God made it that way. It isn't random. He designed it. He figured it all out. That's why it all holds together. So there's verse 12. And verse 13 says this, who can fathom? When you say the word, say fathom. Who can fathom the spirit of the Lord? This chapter goes back and forth between describing God and then keeps asking this question. Really, that, that's the heart of the chapter. 
Because the, the reason God is describing himself is not for his benefit. God does not want you impressed with him for his benefit. God's awesomeness only benefits you to the degree that you can fathom him. If you look up the word fathom, it has two meanings. The primary meaning actually is a, a measurement of the depth of water. Six, about six feet is a fathom. Okay, so the, you, the, the depth of water, we measure it. And the more popular understanding that we understand in this sense is to be able to understand something complex. We have to be able to grasp, to understand. That's what God's trying to do in this chapter is stretch your brain because you need to, although you're never going to grasp him fully, to the measure that you grasp him, to the measure that your brain stretches and fathoms him. And you know that the way that they measure depth in water is the exact same way. Your, your fathometer, by the way, let's go to this. Do you know that uh, you actually have a fathometer? Your fathometer will ex- determine your experience with God. Did you guys know you had a fathometer? I did just make up that word. It is true, you know that. But I made up the word, but you know what it is, don't you? It is, it's your faith. It's that internal thing that, that comprehends God. But how they measure depths in water is they send out a noise, a ping. And the length of time it takes for that to come back is how they measure depth. Well, that's exactly the way a fathometer works spiritually. You send out a noise, we call it prayer. And how long does it take to come back? In other words, how long does it take to you to perceive God, perceive God's presence? There are some people who send out pings and they would say it never comes back. They never get anything back. Gang, that's a, that's a broken fathometer right there. See, when they measure, let's say a ship is measuring the depth, measuring, trying to find a submarine there, and they get a ping back, oh, it's 400 meters. They get another, later, they get another ping back, oh, it's 200 meters. But what happens when they send out a ping and it goes, ping, ping? Like, oh, they're expecting a knock at the door. That thing is right there. That's what hallowed is. Hallowed is sending, is starting prayer with that, sending something out, and you, oh, Become aware. He's here. He's here. He's right here. Not only is he awesome in the universe, that that really isn't what impresses you. What overwhelms you is, he's here. He's here and he loves me. He's actually happy with me. He's here. He's awesome. And he thinks I'm awesome. He's here. Everybody say, he's here. We can say that in church, but do you actually perceive it? Does it actually hit you? How could I know if it actually hits me, Brian? If it actually hits you, there's, there's, a, little, there's a little jump. There's a little, because he is amazing. He is the answer to every problem. He is the solution to everything you're facing. He is, and you will have a reaction and we're going to spend the rest of the day just working on your fathometer. How many have discovered that through your, through your Christian experience, sometimes your fathometer is a little bit better tuned? In other words, you're, you're, just, you're just much more aware. Has that not been true in your Christian experience? There are times in your life where you are just much more aware that God is with you. Is that not true? So those times when you say you're not getting any pings back, is that because God has moved? Or is it because your fathometer is broken? Broken. That's what my kids say. 
broke it is when it's double God broke. It's broke it. So we're going to work on our fathom. I'm going to go through the rest of this chapter here. Verse 14. Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him? Again, describing creation. When God was measuring things out, when he was calculating this universe, did they get down to the end and get down to the really tough math? And they're like, I think we got this, but this is kind of important. We can't blow it. Who should we call? Jesus said, let's give Brian a jingle. He's pretty smart. Did he give us a jingle? Who did he consult? Again, he's trying to stretch your brain. He didn't consult us. And then he goes on. Again, he goes back and forth to, from, from our comprehension of him to describing him. Surely the nations. Now, in the Old Testament times, the nations always referred to Israel's enemies. When they talked about the nations, they're talking about their problems. Not just little problems, the big problems. That enemy that's coming against you, that's so overwhelming, that problem that you feel justified I mean, you know the Bible tells you to have no anxiety, but this one is justified because, Pastor Brian, this one is a whole nation. Surely the nations to God. They're a drop in the bucket. They are regarded as dust on the scales. In Old Testament times, when they measured things, you know what they did with the dust on the scales? Nothing. They considered it too irrelevant to even brush aside. This is not God saying he thinks your problems are relevant, but his, his ability, his, his handling of them. They are that small. They are so small, they're not even worth brushing aside because they're that small to him. Let's continue in the chapter. He goes on and says, do you not know? Have you not heard? He keeps coming back to the fathometer. Fathometer is your comprehension of God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? By the way, what are the answers to these questions? He's asking us questions. Don't you know? Don't you get it? More often than not, the correct answer to that is, uh, no, I, I don't actually. He's, he's testing your fathometer here. Don't, don't you know? Haven't you heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood? He wants you to understand. He wants you to comprehend. He wants you to see, perceive God and all. Oh, Man, that has such a shocking effect. There is nothing more applicable in your day-to-day, moment-by-moment life than your perception of God. There is nothing more applicable. Come on, brother. Give me something, give me something more applicable. Let's, you know, let's talk about real life. Your every moment, your level of joy, the way you see every problem, the way you see everything, has everything to do with is God with you? Is he actually in this problem? Is he actually bringing you through this for a reason? Is this just a test? Or is God just somewhere out there? Life is just random and God's somewhere out there that you got to get him off the bench. Nothing is more applicable to your life than your fathometer understanding, comprehending him. So again, he goes back to your fathometer and then he says this, he sits enthroned above the circle of the earth and its people are like grasshoppers. When's the last time you stressed about a grasshopper? When's the last time you, you gave your friend a call? <gasps> come over. Would you come over? There's a grasshopper in my house. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do. It's a big one. How stupid would you feel? I mean, if you're that big of a chicken, get out a broom, you know, but what do you do with a grasshopper? you like... Everybody, everybody brush it aside. Let's do it together. Brush it aside. Some of you need to get better at this. That's, that's, that's God's view of your problems. Just 
Some of you need to wake up every morning and get your fathometer out. Oops. <laughs> Brush it aside. Brush it aside. No, that's not your husband you're brushing aside. Just your... <laughs> he sits enthroned above a circle of the earth. Its people are like grasshoppers. To whom will you compare me? Bob pulls out the fathometer again. He's getting back in your brain. Follow me here because this is amazing. You see, in this chapter, God has, well, he has to. In order to stretch our brain, he has to compare himself to physical things. But here God is pulling out saying, oh, by the way, all these stuff I'm giving you to compare me to, they don't really compare because those things came out of me. Anything you compare me to is something that I spit out at some time ago. And it's not just that I'm bigger than that, I'm wholly different. He's the unmoved mover, the wholly different, the utterly beyond we have no frame of reference. Stretch your brain as far as you want to stretch, and then he's so far beyond that that he doesn't even fit in that box. But still, you have to. I mean, how, how else can you stretch your brain but taking things that you comprehend? But this is God saying, oh, by the way, once you think you figured it out because you know the size of the universe now and you know how many stars, you're like, okay, I, I kind of figured it out. God's saying, that's just a little measuring stick that you, I'm, I'm, so far beyond that, that all, that's like you spitting on the ground and comparing that and saying, well, that's just like me. No, no, that's just one little thing that came out of you. Who, who is my equal, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes to the heavens. Who created all this? And then it's interesting, he goes back to created things because what else can stretch our brain? What else do we understand? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each one of them by name. Our universe I just looked it up last night and I'm embarrassed. I can't remember. Is it, it was it 100 or 500 billion? Either one of them are pretty large numbers. But hundreds of billions of stars just in our galaxy. And there's trillions of galaxies. And he knows them all by name. I know pretty much everybody in here by name. And I can't count how many times. Tom actually is better than me, but of knowing names. But I can't count how many times people say to me, oh, Pastor Brian, how do you know all these names? And I'm like, well, it's because I'm awesome. <clears throat> That was supposed to be funny, by the way. But nonetheless, I mean, that, that, is, that is, you know, to, to remember names, it's, 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 it's work at times. But how do you remember hundreds of billions, trillions? How do you not run out of names? Bill, Ted, Chuck, Bart. I mean, how do you, how do you keep going? He's got them all. He knows them all by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. He knows where they are. Now he gets back to the fathometer. I wish we had, I, by the way, did you know the word of God is portable? It actually goes home with you. Did you know that? Did you know that you can access Isaiah 40 from your own home? I, maybe you didn't know that. I just wanted to make sure you got that. Most of you have it right on your phone. Go wherever, wherever you go. There are things other than Facebook on your phone. I didn't know if you know that. Didn't, didn't, but maybe just, yeah, yeah, you can actually get the Word of God right there. By the way, a little side journey. Especially when you're in a spot in life where you're stressed and full of fear, you got a broken fathometer, and you you got to start looking at different things. you got to pull out Isaiah 40 and get your brain in a different spot and start looking at something different. The reason you're... you're 
You're full of fear as you keep looking at the problem. That is not going to help. So he gets in the middle of the chapter, towards the end now, and now he's kind of showing them their phenomena, their faith. Why do you complain? By the way, why do we complain? Because we don't comprehend him. We haven't been spending time looking at him. We've been looking at our problems. Why do you complain? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? This is God saying, hidden? King, I'm right in the middle. I think we have to get this, that our life, God is right in the middle of it with us. Yes, especially when we go through trouble. And God's intention for this lifetime was never perfection. That's called eternity. That's called heaven. That is not his goal for this lifetime is for you to experience heaven. That's what heaven is for. This is your one and only shot. And the Bible says it's a vapor. Compared to eternity, there's going to be a time when you're in heaven, you look back and you're like, why was I so miserable? Good gracious, why was I so stressed out? Because you had your one and only shot. This is it. 60 trillion years from now, you're still going to be looking back at this. Your one and only shot to prove that you can trust God in the middle of trouble. Everybody rejoices in heaven. Nobody rewards you for your faith, for that big smile on your face in heaven. Nobody says, ooh, wow, they got the victory today. Ooh. Nobody's impressed. It's here and now where God, in, everybody say intentionally, intentionally allows you to bump into devils and problems and disease that he expects you. It's here where you need your phenometer. This is the test. This is it. You got, you got one shot. It's a short one. I know we feel like it's long, but it's short. God says it's short. Israel spent their whole short little test just kicking and screaming. And, ah, wah. How many people live their whole life kicking and screaming, crying, show up to heaven, still crying? Ah! Then they finally realize they're there and they're like, oh. God looks at you and says, whew, that was, that's quite a run you had there. <laughs> Getting the good job, man. Now, this is your shot. Why do you, why do you say my cause is disregarded? This is God saying, disregarded? I, I designed the test. I'm right there with you. You do know we're all going to die, right? Did, did you guys know that? Was that news to you? That's part of the plan. When you see it for what it is, there, not, no part of this has been disregarded by God. When you see it for what it is, you're like, oh, he's with me. He's with me. This is, by, by the way, once again, you're, what you're seeing here, he, he, this is God's definition of a broken phenomenon. And we've all been there. Every last one of us in this room, including me, have been in that spot with a broken phenomenon, feeling like, oh, God isn't even paying attention. Pay attention. He's up in your grill, man. He's running the whole thing. Do you not know? And he goes right back to his questions. Don't you get it? Stretch your brain. Don't you know? Haven't you heard? The Lord is the everlasting God. Now, here's where it starts when, and by the way, Gordy wrote a song. Most of you know it's on the door out there in our uh, foyer from Isaiah 40. And the song focuses on the last part because the last part is the part that we want. The last part is the part where it's about how we walk in his strength and we mount up with wings as eagles and we run and we don't grow weary. What you may not know is Gordy wrote that song because Gordy and I had a list of scriptures that we went over for years during prayer time. And Isaiah 40 was one of them because it just stretches your brain on, on describing God. We went over that for years. 
And the song appropriately focuses on the end of the chapter, because the end of the chapter is that part that you all want, to, to soar on wings like eagles. How many wants to soar on wings like eagles? Or, or would you rather cluck around like a chicken, pecking? <laughs> problem, 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 problem. <laughs> you, it, the option is yours. I mean, you know, one or the other. You're going to do one or the other. You're going to peck around like a chicken or soar like an eagle. That's, that's, your, that's your choice. Well, the song focuses on that, but please get this. The way you soar is by a finely tuned fathomic. You can't soar until you recognize. <gasps> Do that one more time. Everybody give me, give me that breath. Go. <gasps> until you can hallow his name, you can't soar. Soaring is hallowing. That's why Jesus started prayer. He started. He says, until you get this right, forget the rest of it. The next line after that is, your kingdom come, you know, your will be done on earth. We want to jump right into that, right into the problem. That's, that's the problem part. We want to jump right to that. Jesus says, you'll never get that right until you first, Father, which art in heaven, you start just waiting on God. That's where this chapter ends, with, with just waiting on God. This prayer starts with worship, just starts impressed with God, which, by the way, is why every church service we have ever had and ever will have starts. We don't start by singing to give you time to come, the latecomers to come, time to get in. That is not the purpose of the music. You're like, you're kidding. I thought that's why. I'm just, give me time. No, no. It does, it does do that, but that's not the goal. That's fathometer stretching time. If you pay attention, 99% of those songs, they, they focus on God and the glory of God and just stretch you a little bit. Haven't you heard the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth? He does not grow tired or weary. We do. He doesn't. His understanding no one can fathom. He, he, he's getting towards the end of the chapter, and he's saying, by the way, now that your fathometer has been stretched, he's saying, you're still not even close. You're still not going to fathom me, but good job trying. Because as you try, you do stretch. Let's keep going here. Now's the part. Here's the song. He gives power to the faint. See, that's all of us. That's all of us. To him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and grow away. By the way, the band is going to come up, and we're going to actually sing Gordy's song. Would that be okay with you? But I've got like four minutes left of this message, so as they come up, pay no attention to the man behind the uh, curtain. And you got to hear this. Even youths shall faint and be weary. Young men shall fall exhausted. He's, he's making the point here that even the, the strongest among us, these young guys that look so jacked, that kind of bug me. Yeah, Dave, you bug me. All right, that's all right. But I get over it. I get over it. Dave is the guy on the guitar here, by the way. I want to say something. I'm just going to, I'm going to move on. I'm going to move on. <laughs> uh, young men, shall, even they will fall exhausted, but they who wait, everybody say wait. wait. One more time. Say wait. wait. That's probably the best Old Testament description of what Jesus was describing when he said, they, when they came and said, Jesus, teach us to pray. All right. You ready? You ready? Father, which art in heaven. Everybody say, say it. Say hello. That's wait. That's that, just sitting there and waiting until you are like, oh, 
Because until you get that, that's the reason prayer is a burden to you. That's the reason prayer is a chore. You try to get to the work before you're, let's stand up together. They who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. That's the part we want. So let's stretch our faith a little bit. Father God, you are amazing. God, thank you for stretching our fedometer. Thank you, God, for stretching our heart and our mind. And God, every day of our lives, may we be people of prayer who stretch ourselves to perceive you because you are with us and you are amazing. And God, as we perceive you properly, then we soar like eagles. Then we, our stress is gone. Then our life is joy because we perceive that you are with us. Even in death, God, you are with us and we trust you. In Jesus' name. I'm weak, you may.